But we're going to look in Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. And it says, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So on that same day when evening had come, that day when Jesus was in the boat teaching from the side of the, of, of the Sea of Galilee, Many people were there, and, and he felt, I, you know, I really need to be able to share with more of these people, so I'll go out in the boat a little ways, and, and my voice will carry further across the, the water there, and be able to just reach these, you know, people on the hill there coming down, uh, beautiful scene. So Jesus is there in the boat, and they took him just as he was. He, he was teaching, and he said, hey, let's go to the other side. Let's go over there to the other side, you know. Let's leave these guys behind. Maybe, maybe go get a break on the other side or something. Let's, let's go to the other side. So they took him as he was. So we also have to take Jesus as he is. You know, we can't make up some sort of version of Jesus that isn't really who he is. Many people will say, Jesus was just a good teacher and he wanted everyone to get along. You know, some people will say, well, Jesus was some sort of hippie guy picking lilies out in the field with his buddies, you know? Some people, like Islam, will teach that, that Jesus was a good man, a prophet even, but he wasn't the son of God. And, you know, that's even written there at the uh, Dome of the Rock, right in Jerusalem, this, this uh, mosque they have there, written right there, God does not have any son, you know, written right there. And it, just a a statement trying to come in the face of, of Jesus. And so, you know, who is, who is Jesus really? Is this this person we have in our imagination, or is, there, is, is this a real person? You know, let's look in Revelation chapter 1. And it says here, in verse 13, And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. Talking about his purity, 
perfect purity. His eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his hand, his right hand, seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. And so we see this person. All the power in the world is in his hands. This is Jesus. This is the one who has a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. His word is powerful and can just cut right in between the deepest parts of our hearts. And so, so when we're worshiping Jesus, we need to worship him as he is for who he is. And not, not coat it with any sugar or make it sweeter than we, you know, or, or make it more sour. You know, some people make it more sour. Oh, you know, Jesus, you know. And they always have this frown on their face. You need to follow Jesus like I do. And you say, I would never want to be like that, you know. But, but Jesus is beyond, you know, our little imagination of him. And so we need to worship him and, and take him as he is. And so Jesus is there. He's in the boat. They took him as he was. He said, let's go to the other side. And what happened in the middle? They came into a storm, right? And i just like to point out that they didn't get into the storm because they were doing something wrong. They went right into the storm because they were being obedient. They were obeying God, and they went right into the storm, right where he wanted them to be in the middle of that storm. He said, let's cross over to the other side. He didn't say, let's go out in the middle and drown, you know? <laughs> and so the storm seems to me supernatural in a sense that it came very quickly. You know, you have these storms that come up pretty quickly on the Sea of Galilee, but this came up really quickly. And then it's very severe. You know, these guys are seasoned fishermen. They've been on the sea all their life. And they're turning to Jesus going, we're going to die. We're all going to die in this storm. And these guys are fishermen, you know. They know what to do, right? They know how to handle the boat. They know what to do, but they think they're going to die. And then the other thing is that Jesus rebukes the storm in the same way that he rebukes demons. He says, peace, be still, you know. And, and in that sort of spiritual atmosphere where there were these demon-possessed people, which happens right after this, he goes to, and... Uh, Rebukes a, demon, rebukes a demon inside of a man right in the beginning of chapter 5. He's using the same kind of language that he uses for this storm. And so, so I think it's maybe the devil here is trying to, you know, put an end to the plan of salvation or something, you know. Put, let's dump all these guys in the middle of the lake. 
like as if he could do that, you know. So, so these guys, though, these guys are fishermen in the boat, right? They, Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side. So they took him along in the boat, and they said to Jesus, we'll take you there, Jesus. We know what to do. We'll take you there ourselves. We're fishermen. Just go to sleep. Don't worry about it. You're just some sort of rabbi guy carpenter anyway. You don't know what to do in a boat. Just go to sleep. We'll take care of the water. We, we know what to do, you know? And so, so they think they're going to show Jesus how much they can do for him. They think they're going to show him their great prowess, prowess, prowess in the, in the field of boating, you know? And so it turns out to be more than they can handle, though, you know? Starts getting a little rough in the water. And they think, no problem. We can take care of this. And then starts getting a, a little, little more windy. And they start to resent him for calling them across the lake. They say, what did he call us to go across this lake for anywhere? Anyway, this is kind of hard work, you know. I mean, what was he thinking? And then they start getting angry that he's sleeping and not helping. You know, they didn't want him to calm the storm. They didn't think he could do that, but he could at least get a bucket and help bail out the boat, you know. I mean, here we are in this boat, and Jesus is over there sleeping, and we're all working so hard, and he's the one who told us to go over here anyway. And what's he doing? He's sleeping over in the boat. He doesn't he know what's going on here? Doesn't he care that we're working so hard? And then, after they're angry, they start really becoming afraid that they're going to die. And so that's what they tell him. We're all going to die, and that includes you. So you better get up and say your final prayers. Maybe if you help a little bit, we'll survive another five minutes, but... But get up and help because we're all going to die. That includes you. We're dying. So it's over, Jesus. These are his disciples, you know. <laughs> and, and they had the faith to start the journey, but they lost it in the middle. They had the faith to believe Jesus when he said, let's go to the other side. Maybe they were not believing in Jesus, though. Maybe they were believing in their own strength, you know. Maybe they were believing that they could do it without Jesus' help. Anyway, they had the faith to start, but they, they just started freaking out in the middle, and they wanted him to start freaking out with them. Jesus is at peace in the storm, right? He's sitting there sleeping, and, uh, and he's the one who defines peace. For us, You know, he, God is the one who created all of these things. And he, he's the source of, if you want to know what peace is, you need to look to God. Because you're never going to find it on this earth outside of Him. If you want to know what love is, God is the definition of love. His, his person is the definition of love. And so if you want to know what love is, you need to look to God. You know, if you want to know what justice is, well, He's also the definition of justice. And and, and righteousness. 
And so you look to him and you find out what is that. And so, so Jesus is the source of peace. And he already knew the end from the beginning anyway. And he's in the storm. But he's at peace. He's just resting, you know. He's, he's, he, he's just sleeping at rest. And it's interesting that the waves smashing on the boat, the wind is whipping through the sails, he's getting splashed with the spray, and he doesn't wake up at all. But as soon as the guys decide, well, maybe we should talk to Jesus about this, he wakes up instantly. As soon as his disciples turn to him, he's ready. You know? So maybe they should have turned to him a little earlier. <laughs> but they thought they could do it on their own. But Jesus is, is not afraid. Jesus is not upset. Jesus is not stressing out. He's resting. And as soon as his disciples call him, he's there. He always comes when his disciples call. You know, you may feel that you're in the middle of the worst storm of your life and that you're fighting it by yourself, well, maybe if you call Jesus, he'll come. I promise you if you call Jesus, he'll come. And so, you know, these guys, they had this sort of view that they knew what to do in the boat. And they wanted to be able to say, look what we did for you. You know? But really, that is the exact opposite of the approach to life that God wants us to have. God doesn't want us to come and say, look what we did for you. He wants us to be, he wants to destroy our pride and, be, and becoming saying, look what God did for me and I didn't do anything, you know? It's like if you're playing on a team of three-on-three three basketball with Michael Jordan on your team. And you guys beat the other team by like 100 to 10, you know? And then you say, yeah, me and Michael Jordan scored 100 points. But you scored like zero, <laughs> you know? And so, 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 you know, there's these two verses that I really like to put together in John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can't survive. You have no life apart from me, Jesus says. But then, in Luke chapter 1, verse 37, he says, nothing is impossible with God. And so when you're faced with an impossible situation, who do you need to turn to? God. You know, when you think nothing is going to make this better, there's only one who can, and that's God. Omnipotent. And so, anyway, it's interesting what happens when the pride is destroyed, by the way, you know, inside of a... Of a body when uh, of believers when inside of the church when your pride and your self 
desire to prove yourself in some way is gone because you don't care about yourself anymore. You care about what Jesus is doing. Then all of a sudden, there's peace in the body of believers. Nobody is trying to, you know, everything, the unity of the body is restored. You know? And so when we are in that place where we're all glorifying God together and finding our joy in Him and in His strength, in His strength, not in our strength, then we have peace in, in, in the body. We have unity. And we can just let everything else go because, because we're focusing on Jesus and what He's doing. So, <clears throat> so one other thing that happens here. So, so let's see. It says, He was in the stern asleep on the pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Actually accusing him of not caring even, you know? Accusing him of, of and we've all probably felt that way at some point. God, don't you care about what's happening here? And he says, don't you care? And so he, he arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So, so Jesus saw that these guys had completely lost their faith. They were completely faithless. At this point, they had no faith that he was going to do anything, right? And so some people teach, well, you know, if you want to see God act, you need to have faith that he's going to do something. But that's not exactly true. You know, sometimes Jesus does say, your faith has healed you. You had, you had faith enough to come and talk to me, and you thought that if you, if you, if you touched me, you'd be healed. And so they had enough faith to make the step to go to Jesus. If they wouldn't have had this faith to at least do that, they wouldn't have been healed. But, but these guys had absolutely no faith. They, they, it was gone, you know. But Jesus never left the boat, right? These guys lost their faith, but Jesus didn't leave the boat. Jesus didn't say, oh, you know, I see some other guy in a little boat over here, and he's got more faith than you, so I'm going to go over there and take care of these guys. He stayed in the boat. He, he could have left, I guess. He could have just walked right on the waves away from there and say, you know, you guys, you really disappointed me. I, I, I wish you would have had more faith. You've been with me for this long. Take a hike. And he could have just left. Let them all drown. Start up with a new crew. You know, but he didn't. He stayed in the boat. And then he saved them. And he says, why are you so afraid? How is it you have no faith? And God wants to say to us, do not be afraid. There's a lot of things that cause us to fear, you know, in life. Whether that's fear of just what other people think about us whether that's fear of talking in public, whether that's fear of getting killed on the highway, whether that's fear of something terrible happening 
to someone I love, all these kinds of things we're afraid of. And you know, the truth is, if you're in the middle of a, a big storm, in, the, in a little boat, with big waves, if you're not even a little bit afraid, there's something wrong with you, you know? <laughs> like, you should be a little bit afraid. In fact, that natural fear is not any kind of sin, right? That, that immediate response of a little bit of fear. It's what you do with the fear after that. Do you let the fear push out the faith that you have? Do you then act in fear and say, you know, we're all going to die. Let's make it quick and easy and just bash the boat to bits. You know what I mean? Do, do we, what, what do we do with the fear? Is we, do, do we surrender the fear to God? Because it says in the Bible that perfect love casts out all fear. And perfect love comes from God alone, right? And so, <clears throat> so he says, why are you so fearful? How did you have no faith? Because their fear drove out their faith completely. And it was gone because of their fear. But Jesus didn't leave them high and dry or wet and low as it would be. He, he stayed with them. And he completely made them way more afraid, as they should have been, when he completely calmed the storm. And so, so these guys become completely dumbfounded. And they said, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? And so, Jesus calms the storm, and everything's fine. And then they have this attitude of awe, like, wow, this is, this is amazing. And that is the right attitude to have after that, Right? Sometimes we go through something difficult in life and we say, so, so we see God provide in some miraculous way. We see something happen and we're, we're brought out of that situation and we're looking back and we're saying, why did you let me go through that anyway? You know? And we're mad that we just got saved. We're upset that that we had to go through pain for a season. And so, so what happens when we do that is we miss the whole miracle that's happening there. We miss the benefit of what God is doing. And, and we end up ha having to go through it all over again because we didn't get it right the first time. <laughs> you know? And so, so really attitude is very important when we see Jesus do something, we need to respond in the proper manner, which is to say, wow, you're amazing. Now I'm really afraid because I know who really has the power to do anything and could wipe me out like this, take me home tomorrow, or cause me to live through, through 50 more years of pain and suffering on this earth until I get to my heavenly home. You know? And so, so, we don't want to miss the miracle by holding on to the fact that we had to deal with pain. You know, we're in the United States of America and we don't like pain. We, we don't like anything that causes us pain. If it causes us pain, we need to figure out some other way to deal with it. Give me some sort of shot, injection. Give me some sort of TV show that distracts me. Give me something to make me 
not deal with the pain that I'm facing, you know? But pain is part of life. And, and Jesus can bring us through that pain, but not by trying to hide it or push it away. He, he faces it directly. He faced the storm directly, you know? He said, it's over. So, I don't know where everyone is in this room. I don't know where, whether you are just setting out. And the Lord said to you, let's go to the other side. You said, okay, let's go. Or maybe the Lord said, let's go to the other side. And you said, I'm feeling good right here. I don't even want to leave. <laughs> you know? Maybe you don't even have the faith to get started. Maybe you're at the beginning of a storm and it's starting to get choppy and you wonder what's about to happen next. Maybe you're in the middle of the deepest, darkest moment of your life. Maybe you just came through that moment and saw the Lord change you completely. I don't know, but I guarantee that there's people in this room in every single situation in that, in that spread. And so... So that's why we're called the body of Christ, right? Because those of us who have reached the end can encourage those of us who are in the middle and say, okay, I know what you're going through, you know? Maybe not exactly, exactly, but listen to what God just did for me. And, and so that's why we have to be open with each other. You know, fellowship fellowship is not where we come together and smile with our teeth and then, and then eat some nice potluck strapadoodle or whatever it's called and then <clears throat> go home, you know? Fellowship is where you actually say, this is what's going on in my life, <laughs> you know? And you have to do that if you want to receive any blessing from the church. You know, you have to actually open up a little bit. You have to say, this is what's going on with me. And can you pray for me? Or, hey, it looks like you might need prayer for you. Can I pray for you? And so you guys just prayed for me, which was a great blessing for me because, you know, I told you what was going on with us. But if I hadn't told you that, then I wouldn't have received that blessing, you know. And so it requires this openness and this encouragement comes through that. And so... One thing a guy said, um, the founder of Chick-fil-A, who's ever heard of Chick-fil-A? The founder of Chick-fil-A, his name's Truett Cathy, he taught, he, he's taught the same junior high boys Sunday school class for 45 years, or more, maybe. And he said, you know when someone need, when you know how you know, or something, how do you know when someone needs encouragement? And he said, when they're breathing. <laughs> you know? And that's everybody, you know? And so, so we want to open up and, and let God use us together. And so, so Jesus meant what he said, you know? He said, we're going to the other side. He didn't say, Hey, guys, let's go out in the middle and, like, let's just see God's whole plan of salvation destroyed, you know? Let's, like, all die out in the middle. 
And uh, he said, let's go out and go to the other side. And when he, when he said that, he meant it. And so I just want to encourage you. If, if Jesus said, we're going to the other side, then he'll get you there. Even if you don't have the faith to start, you can trust him for that too. And he'll bring you to the other side. And so I want to pray for you guys. You know, I, I, uh, you guys prayed for me, so I want to pray for you. And so, so if there's anyone here who, who feels like they're in the middle of that storm and is losing faith, thinking, there's no way I'm going to make it to the other side, then I want to pray for you today. And so, um, so why don't we just bow our heads and let's pray. <clears throat> so if you're here this morning and, and you'd like me to pray for you, that you're going through something right now that you don't know how to face, I'd like you just to raise your hand so I can see you. I see your hands. See you guys. All right. And so, Lord, I just pray for these folks who have just had the faith to raise their hand. Just, just enough faith to raise their hand, Lord. And, and, and they're going through things that, that I can't imagine, Father. But you, you know, and you know what's going on. And you have the power to touch the storm in their life, Lord. So, Lord, we just pray together as a body, that you would touch these lives, touch the situations in, in these lives in, in that, that are out of control, out of our control, Lord. And we, we know that you are in control, and we, we just want to give you the freedom. Just come in and do whatever it is you need to do. We turn to you this morning. We're, we're tired of fighting in our own strength, and we turn to you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.